Hi, this is Robert Guignard, and this is Intentionally Overheard. Today, I'm going to have a conversation with Diane Marte. Diane is a fashion designer, educator, and also a doctoral student. Originally from Suriname, South America, Diane has lived in the States since 1979. After receiving her Bachelor of Fine Arts in Fashion, Diane quickly jetted to New York and put her knowledge to work. She has worked for brands such as J. Crew, New York & Company, Doncaster, and Target. After working with some of the world's largest brands, Diane decided to do her own thing and had a successful 11-year run operating her own fashion label while still finding time to consult for other brands. Feeling it was time to make some big moves in her life, in 2016, Diane made the jump and realized one of her dreams by moving to the West Coast after being selected to run the fashion department at American River College. Diane and I caught up to talk about life's journey, pursuing dreams, and how when you really want something bad enough, the opportunities will avail themselves to you. And now my conversation with Diane Marte. And hello there, Diane, how are you? I'm great, Robert, how are you? I'm very well. I'm doing better now that you're on the show and we finally get a chance to catch up and talk about how life is going for Diane Marte and the great things that you're doing out on the West Coast. So I am glad you had the opportunity to join me tonight. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So Diane, you know me, I'm just going to jump right into this because I think you have such a ter uh, terrific story to share. Um, you're out on the West Coast and you 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 applied for a job out there for teaching and i just wanted to backtrack about how all of that happened and uh get right into it because there were so many steps that led up to it and like i said your story is is fascinating and being that i know have known you for so long i just really uh think you have something valuable to share so um so tell me about how life is in California. You're a, a good ways away from Baltimore. Tell me what you got going on out there. Uh, well, I'm actually in um, South Lake Tahoe right now, and I'm in the mountains just getting fresh air. Uh, and it's great because when you're in Sacramento or in the Central Valley, you are either two hours away from the mountains or two hours away from the beach. So from the ah. coast, and I feel like it's great. You can do a lot of things outdoors, no matter what time of the year. And um, I'm just really enjoying myself. You know, Diane, you and I have known each other for many, many years. And uh, I've not always known you to be very entrepreneurial and uh, always had your, your sights set on big goals. And you always went about the business of achieving them. Tell me a little bit about, um, let's go back a, a little bit about how you got to California, because I think that really sets the stage for everything that was before and after. You're right. I, I feel like every single step that I've made has led me to where I am right now. And um, I think, so this is what happened. I really wanted to move to California. I, th I thought it was the place for me to be. I have no idea why it was pulling me and I did everything that I could to move there and I was even driving Uber and it was right, it was like 2014, 2015, yes. And um, I stopped running my business and I was 
consulting here and there, but I was also teaching at Bowie State and at Baltimore City Community College. So I was doing a bunch of different things to make a living. And I really thought at that point, hey, I've exhausted all of my opportunities here. I lived in New York. I ran my business. That was great. What else is there? So I uh, just one evening, I remember it was a January. It was the beginning of the semester in 2015, 20, yeah, 2016. And I was facing a few challenges at both of the colleges. And I just decided I am okay. I'm finally okay with not moving to California. I'm going to make a life here. I'm going to carve it out here and I'll figure something out. And I started looking up community colleges in California that have fashion programs. There are over 50. The very first phone call I made was to Los Rios Community College District where I work now. Uh -huh. Someone actually picked up the phone <laughs> and I was told they never pick up the phone. <laughs> So you already had something working in your favor. Yes, yes. And they were really nice. They said, oh, there's a person in fashion. She's a department chair. She's retiring. The position will open on February 13th. File, you know, file all your paperwork, submit everything, and a social committee will review it. And I got the phone call. I went to, well, let me step, let, let me go back a little bit. I also applied to Santa Monica College, and it was my very expensive um, trial run or rehearsal interview. <laughs> and um, Santa Monica did not reimburse me for any travel, but Los Rios did. Um, and I went out, I thought, okay, LA, I always wanted to be in LA, and then I realized this isn't what I want anymore. <laughs> so. Okay. I got the call from Los Rios uh, for American River College. I went out and I apply um, for the interview. I went out to the interview. Uh, they basically um, paid for half of it. And then I had the other half um, that I was able to, to, to pay for. And I didn't really know if I did well. I thought, oh, well, I did my best and we'll see what happens. I get the phone call back at the end of April for a second interview. And it was for, I remember it was the beginning of May or right around the end of, maybe not the beginning, sorry. It, I think it was like the middle of May actually. Sorry about that. Um, okay. It was right after the end of the semester. I remember that. And I didn't have the money to do it. <laughs> I couldn't, yeah. I said, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. And <laughs> they really went, out of their way to work around my schedule. Like they waited a two weeks because I just could not come out. And I was trying to figure out how am I gonna do this? On the day that I said, I was gonna call, give them a call and say, thank you, but no thank you. A friend of mine in uh, San Francisco, Abe called and he's, he just wanted to follow up, see how I was doing. I said, yeah, I have the second interview. I'm just not gonna go. Let me back for a second. Yeah. You, you were gonna tell them, uh, you're not interested. What was behind that? Was it the, the financial piece or yeah. how were you going to bring all of this together? Yeah, I thought it was just too, too many obstacles. How am I going to move there? How am I, how, where am I going to live? What am I going to do? I, I, it was just too overwhelming. So I said, thank you, but no thank you. Abe said, hold up. Uh, he, he asked me a few really important questions. He said, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. He called me back and he 
said, here's your ticket. Here's where you're staying for the hotel. And um, if you need to use my account for Uber. And that's how I got to my second interview. Hey, way, okay. way to come through, Abe. Yeah. And it gets even more strange. Um, I ended up getting well, some. Tell me what's more strange. Tell me more strange. I love strange. I, um, I ended up having this weird staph infection on my lip. And I went to my doctor right before I said, I have the interview of my life. <laughs> like, huh. please tell me what's going on. And they gave me a prescription for something else. I forgot what it was, but whatever it was, it didn't work. And oh. it was just getting worse. <laughs> and so I wore a mask like through the airport because I thought, well, what if I'm patient zero? I don't know what I have. Right. And I ended up going into the interview and um, I, I, my face looked very different than what it looks like right now. <laughs> Let's just say yeah. that. Okay. And I was so worried about how I looked. I nailed the second interview. <laughs> the second interview did uh, were were there folks there that were initially in the first interview, so they could say, "Yeah, well, I know how she looks," and you know, if um, that was what you were worried about. Yeah, I kind of made up a story. Oh, I had an allergic reaction. Sorry, um, but <laughs> and it ended up being a pretty bad staph infection. But. Um, um, one of my, my immediate boss, who was the dean, who really, really vouched for me, he was in the interview, uh, the VP of instruction was in the interview, and also the president of the college. So all the important players were there. Yes. Wow. You know, and, and you know, the reason why I jumped right into that story, Diane, is that, you know, this show is really about the journey, you know, people's journeys about making it to their dreams or achieving goals. And there were so many what you or initially anybody would think were these obstacles, but it just seemed like everything lined up once your mindset was like, I've got to go. And, and so, you know, you, you told me about Abe and then another uh, friend who offered uh, cash to you to get there. And um, yes. and it wasn't something I, I believe you were saying something that normally she doesn't do. Normally, she doesn't do that. Not at yeah. all. Um, yeah. But she believed in you. Yeah, she did. She really did. And um, my sister also helped me financially, especially with the uh, really expensive rehearsal interview. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, a few of my other friends. And I just I was just lucky. I ended up landing and renting a room in a great neighborhood. Um, I had a, a, a really nice roommate and things just worked from there. I yeah. started from scratch, didn't really know anyone. A friend of mine in Virginia invited introduced me to her friend and she lived in Sac. So we're really good friends now. Okay. Um, but I just thought, well, Life's a journey. It's an adventure. Yeah. Now, Diane, were you always interested in fashion uh, when you were growing up? I mean, how did that come about? I wanted to be an architect. I went to school for architecture I, I, at SCAD. And, but I started sewing when I was 12. And huh. it was an outlet for me. And I just started designing clothing and even beading dresses. And yeah. it was more like a hobby. And then I showed the work to the fashion department because I was working or modeling for a friend. She was working on something, I think like a draping class and it has to fit someone and they have to go through fit uh, fittings and fit experiences. And um, the professor said, why don't you study fashion? So I, I did, I switched over. 
<laughs> wow. Now, let me ask you this now. Did the architectural background and training that then help out with the fashion design in any way? Oh, yes. Um, it's almost as though fashion is architecture for the body. So it's just a yeah. different you mentioned some of the, the colleges that you worked at uh, prior to moving out west. Um, what, was, what was it like facing some of the, the obstacles? I call them the gatekeepers that um, maybe didn't let you advance the way you thought you should have or blocked your opportunities. Uh, what was that experience like? Because now again, I, I'm, I'm coming from a, a, maybe a bias here because I know you so well and I know your capabilities. But how was that knowing that? you know, people were blocking your access to what you wanted to do. And, and how did you get through that? I, I wouldn't say it's like blocking access. It was more of, I think when everything comes down to it, it's more of a financial situation and a financial issue. Okay. I work for a college up until this point, or I, I, I'm assuming still um, is in a good financial position. And there are so many grants available and I just stayed up late and I wrote up those grant um, uh, submissions. I submitted the grant proposals and we ended up winning a lot of grants. Whereas when you don't really have a lot of money, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. So I think it really comes down to, do you have enough resources to do the things that you need to do in education? Yeah. Yeah. Now for the, the folks that, you know, you have met along the way, uh, maybe even here back home in, uh, in here in Baltimore, uh, do you stay in contact much with them? And, and have they supported you while you're out there? Were they, you know, who were some of the other people that really said, hey, Diane, you can do this. Uh, we've got your back. Uh, we support you. Oh, yes. I have a lot of support. Definitely my family, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, I have a friend that I've known since... I think we were seven. So she definitely supported me as well. And she's helped me along the way, her yeah. and her husband and, um, and a few other people. I used to sell at the market, uh, Eastern market in DC. I remember and that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've kept in contact with quite a few people and um, they're very happy for me that I've been able to transition and work in education on a full-time basis. Now, you, you, your experience, you, you had your own business, you had your own mm -hmm. label, um, and, you know, you've done so much from an entrepreneurial standpoint. What drew you to teaching? It happened by accident. I never thought that I would stand in front of people. I hated public speaking, but my father, no. he was, he, uh, he was an educator. He worked at Rutgers as a, as an adjunct. He also taught um, in Staten Island. It's Staten Island. And then, um, let me see, I think King's College. And he had a PhD in pol uh, political science. Okay. So he's written a few books on political science, and his area was uh, the political cycles and Cold War and its effect in Africa. So yeah. you had some background, somewhere hidden away. You, you did have some, some exposure to it at that point. I did. And then I thought, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't life amazing how you come kind of come full circle back to it yes yes um so what has this journey taught you um about yourself and your resolve to 
realize your dreams and, and reach your goals? I think that I should never limit myself. Even if I think financially something's out of reach, uh, if you tell someone, hey, I'm trying to do this, they'll help you. Yeah. And yeah. it's also a butterfly effect. Um, I knew that everything was going to happen in California, that I was going to meet my fiance, which I did. And believe it or not, he worked at Hopkins and we kind of passed each other at a certain point, And then he moved out to California to work at university of Davis. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you passed each other in, in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We didn't know each other, but um, we at this, we lived in Baltimore at the same time. Do you, do you think now that, um, you know, you, well, first let me back up. How tough was it to leave Baltimore? I know you hit your mom here and, and, you know, you had, you stick some, uh, put some roots down here. How was it leaving here? And, you know, I, I guess that was that was kind of tough, huh? It was. Um, I almost took it as a failure. Really? In a, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I've, I've been able to meet my goals as a business owner, but I, I don't know. I, I felt that I wanted to go further with my business and I just wasn't able to do that. Wow. So you so you wanted to stay in Baltimore to to finish that or I mean but I, this was an opportunity that you wanted and yes. Yes, don't wow. get me wrong. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know, that's kind of how I felt when uh -huh. I just moved. But then I also thought, well, this is a great opportunity. I get yeah. to meet different business owners, I get to meet students. I link students to business owners uh, with job opportunities and with internships, um, just working in the community, mm -hmm. I think it, that's how I maybe get my, how I can fill in that gap. Well, you know, and you've had some, some top line experiences uh, with some of the companies that you worked for. I know uh, J Crew. Yes. Um, was, did you do any work with Target at any point? Um, oh my goodness, I, I forgot. I forgot. Yeah job that I was working for what is it Chesapeake Bay Candles and they did private okay. label for Target so I was in Minneapolis working with Target to put together um, collections of candles yeah okay <laughs> I forgot yeah, about I'm that <laughs> <laughs> see there <laughs> how could you forget about that <laughs> so w with all of that experience um you know, that's what, when I noticed that you had gravitated to teaching, you, you had such a, a, a vast array of experience out in the marketplace. Does that help you uh, be able to be a better teacher and share your information your, and your background with students? Oh, most certainly. Um, what I found is that a lot of programs, they teach and they educate students. And I'm you know, pursuing this degree, my, my terminal degree. And at the terminal degree level, especially with a few academics, they understand the academic part, but they don't understand the business part and that all the nuances uh, there are in running a business and starting a label. So having that real yeah. world experience and having pretty much a Rolodex <laughs> that you can yeah. rely on and that you can reference in the classroom, I think is, is very valuable. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure they, they can appreciate that. And you and I had some conversations in the past when I launched the tote bag 
and yeah. a lot of great advice and yeah it's it's a definitely a different it's, it's one thing to learn it in the classroom but then to go out onto the marketplace and and you know face some of those those rejections and, 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 you know, people wanting your pack, your product packaged a certain way. I mean, that's the, that's the stuff you don't really learn in the classroom. No. Um, or waiting to speak, or waiting to speak or meet with a buyer. And, you know, they've had you waiting for like two hours and, you know, you're still there because you want them to take your product on. So, I mean, those yeah. are the things that you're like, Oh, okay. Is this what it's about? So, but you were able to successfully navigate through all of that uh, and bring your experiences to your students. Yeah, uh, right now we're really focusing on experiential learning and teaching. So I'm working on, and I've been working on this, I, I really want to start a small um, uh, professional development or let's say a continuing education program where um, anyone in the, in the community can come in, take a class or sign up for the program of product development. So instead of the product development course being for credit, uh, or it may end up for credit, but uh, anyone can sign up if they have an idea or if they want to just understand the process better. Uh, and in the end, uh, students will really produce a product and they will actually sell it. So I feel okay. like that's the best experience. Um, yeah. Starting on that concept and then going out and meeting with the consumer and getting feedback. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, there's certain triggers in, in our lives that, that take us to different places and, and to move on to different things. And I remember, you know, you and I talking and, and at one point, I believe that was in around 2003, you moved to Baltimore. And that was after the passing of your dad. Talk a little bit about that and, and, and how that played a part in taking you to another level. Oh, um, I, yeah, I... I pretty much walked away from New York. Um, I left my job. I had a good job and I had a great place in Brooklyn and I had to take care of my mom financially. So I had to figure out, okay, is she going to move to Brooklyn or am I going to just take a chance and start over? And I couldn't afford Montgomery County at the time, but I could afford Baltimore city. So I didn't know anything about Baltimore. I left my job. I still had my apartment for about a year. So I was back and forth in New York. And then I was scouting out places in Baltimore, which is how I landed where, where I landed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we, we're glad you came. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't have uh, met you. otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I remember when you first came to Baltimore and you had mm -hmm. just moved in uh, to yeah. the area. Um, now with, with regards to, you mentioned about starting the program to, to give people an opportunity to basically learn the business. Where does that come from now? Is it, is it now? Are you at that point in life where it's really about giving back? Um, and I, I guess, you know, paying it forward to a certain degree. Yes, definitely. I, this is okay. So, you know, I worked at, uh, um, you know, institutions in Maryland and, and Baltimore, historically black, universities. And I felt like it, it is just so important to teach my students, like, I kind of want to like throw everything at them <laughs> so that yeah. they have the knowledge and at least they have choices. And from what I've seen in the past, students didn't really, either they didn't have the right amount of knowledge 
I'm not going to say that. Um, let me rephrase. How about this? They didn't have as many choices as far as, okay, uh. well, when I finish, where can I go? When I finish, what can I do? Um, and I have students that have their own businesses, they're stylists, they're traveling, uh, maybe not now, but yeah. <laughs> they, you know, they're, they're really doing it. Um, yeah. And I'm really proud of them. And I just want all those students to have that access that yeah. I feel is so hard to get. Do, do you think maybe in, in terms of the curriculum that, that, and I guess some schools are starting to shift to this, but really trying to hone in on the entrepreneurial aspect of it, the, the business piece of it, um, and trying to help people develop a brand while they're in school and while they're learning. And I think, you know, you can thank social media to a certain degree that, you know, a student can start a business, you know, put up an account on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter um, and really market their business. Um, so do, do you think that's more of what the schools need to do uh, in terms of prepping students to go beyond just the classroom, but then to start a business and explore some different options? Yes. A lot of uh, colleges and universities are veering towards more experiential learning, but I think we need to go even further. We need to teach, how about maybe rework the curriculum? We need to rework the curriculum so that we really embody inclusivity. I think uh, that's what's missing in the industry. There, there are so okay. many markets that are being that are not being tapped that no one's paying attention to, and I found through my research that it all comes down again to education and yeah. resources. Um, but it's really about faculty. I think faculty really drives where the students will go. So yeah. if faculty. Uh, members can get more educational professional development in let's say fitting someone who's like a size 30 then they can teach students how to fit someone who's a size 30 and then they can uh -huh. go out into the marketplace or work for a company and maybe demand if there are enough of them demand that there is a change so that yeah. we're not focused on this really narrow market any longer yeah Wow. Well, I mean, I guess that that, that there comes with that the mind expansion and willing to be willing to explore what's outside of normalcy to a certain degree. So, uh, no, you, you hit it on the head there. Um, do you think you're working now in your purpose in life? Um, has that has going out west and, uh, you know, created a level of, I guess, clarity as to what you should be doing in life now and where you are in life? Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I know that I'm supposed to be working in education. I really love curriculum. I'm really surprised about that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like figuring out, okay, well, here's the end product or artifact. And yeah. here are the learning outcomes and then working backwards so that we can meet the learning outcomes. Mm -hmm. and meet the needs of business owners and of the community in large. So maybe it's, maybe you still have that architectural background because you're building something, you know, it's, it's like you're, you're analyzing it like you're, you're building something. So, um, so I, I still think you have that in you. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I, I do design, but now I design because I like it and, and just yeah. for fun. Rather Wait, than okay. 
to make sales. So you like it? You didn't like it before? <laughs> oh no, uh, I loved it. I loved it. It. Ju- I just felt as a business owner, there's definitely a certain amount of pressure behind yeah. that. Okay. Okay. Um, now, what would you what would you tell the twenty year old Diane if you had an opportunity to sit down on a park bench with her, and you could share your knowledge and your experiences with 20-year-old Diane Marte, what would you tell her? Live in the moment. Mm, okay. I'm finally now living in the moment. Yeah? Yes. Expand on that a little bit. What's, talk to me about living in the moment. I used to live in the future, or I used to only think about the future, and then I would dwell on the past. Okay. Or, well, what did I do in the past, and then how can I change... How can I change it so that I can avoid avoid what I did in the past in the future? All right. But I never example, really give me an example of what you would think about in the future. Oh, oh, that's easy. An easy example is fashion designing. We're uh-huh. always working a year or two ahead. Uh-huh. And then okay. as designers, if you're a small designer, you have to think about the past, the present, the future. But if you're working at a company like J Crew and I worked in sourcing um, in J Crew, actually menswear. But um, you're only thinking about the future. You're only thinking about future projections. You're given information and knowledge about past sales to make informed decisions. But you're really only thinking about, all right, I have to design this collection. I have to source this material. I have to put everything together so that by, you know, Literally two years, it used to be two years from now, we will be selling this. By the time we sell it, I forgot all about the style. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, we did that. (laughs) Wow. Oh, that's two years. Yeah. Yeah. So I never really stopped to smell the roses or just to like sit down and relax and just take it all in and enjoy it. So it would be living in the present, you say? Yes. Yeah. Just, now, if I could backtrack for just a moment, mm-hmm. having your own label uh, and your own business, did that give you the opportunity to kind of live in the moment and create designs um, without that pressure of having to work a year or two in advance? Did you did that opportunity of you know you having your own give you that opportunity to say? Hey, look, I can work in the present. This is a design that I like, and it's not necessarily driven on what the market is asking for. Yeah, that's kind of the paradox. (laughs) (laughs) My collection, what was really great about being such a small designer is you can pivot so quickly. And I would work maybe three months in the future versus two years in the future. And Mm -hmm. I could quickly analyze everything, all the feedback, what's selling, what's uh, yeah. not selling, to make those really fast decisions. So, so what's next for Diane? What's what's on the horizon? Well, um, I used to have this website where I sold patterns that you could download and you can construct garments out of, and I. With all of this online teaching, I have over 500 videos <laughs> and really? I want to set up a platform so um, people can get access to maybe upskilling or yeah. learning a new 
learning something new or even taking a course, like an entire course with me. Yeah. Well, so you know, I'm working on that. <laughs> Ryan, I do remember, but and you've been doing that for quite some time. Yeah. If I recall. I, yeah. 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 You, I you were well ahead of the curve. No, I, I started in 2012 and yeah. I realized that students learn more deeply when they have access to the materials outside of class. So I started uh, making all these videos just like one by one, little by little, and always short. I realize it has to be short. Or if I'm working with yeah. a, a series, let's say a 40 minute, uh, a 40 minute project or assignment, I would break it up into five to eight minute videos and then okay. assign different parts. Like, okay, if you have this part, if you have the introductory part, you don't need to watch that. Uh, mm -hmm. You can watch this part rather than everyone like, oh, here's a 30 minute video. I've got to find that one little question that I have there. <laughs> and um, I have, uh, what, two classes with Craftsy and another class with Berta. So those are the online classes. And I learned a lot working with them and taping with them. Okay. So I've been applying what I've learned uh, yeah. to all the videos that I've created. Okay. Wonderful. Now, um, and, and those videos are still available. If, if anybody wanted to check you out, they, are they out there on YouTube? Or? Some of the videos are. I didn't realize I had about five different channels. So I, I have some that have gone viral. I have some okay. that haven't. <laughs> I have to just consolidate everything into one website and yeah. one location. Uh, but yeah. I'd like to definitely uh, teach online again, doing my own thing the way that yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. And um, teaching students how to make and design clothing, pattern making, illustration. And my textbook will be coming out next month with Top Hat. So okay. I'll be using that to teach online. All right. Uh, tell me a little bit about the textbook. What what will be involved in that? Oh, I I wanted to write a textbook, but I didn't want to really write it because I feel like textbooks are antiquated, kind of old fashioned, and we have all this technology. Yeah. So I started looking into Pearson and what's required to um, pr publish with them. Okay. And then I got a phone call from Top Hat. <laughs> And I just said, I want to publish something. And then Top Hat called me <laughs> and they said, oh, well, what classes are you teaching? You know, you can author with us and we'll sell your book in the marketplace. So the Top Hat marketplace includes courses that are taught by professors at universities and colleges and students have to sign up and pay for the platform access itself. But they have access for the entire school year. And then okay. they purchase the class or the textbook, which is an online textbook. Everything's online. And they have access to the book forever. And I worked really hard <laughs> um, since September to put together all of the learning materials. And I really wanted something that I haven't seen really before, yeah. which was an inclusive textbook that included all different body types, yeah, all different shapes and sizes. And I already know I'm working on a second edition because time was cut a little short for me. I couldn't include the children and the men's 
but I was going to first include them as a separate chapter. And I said, no, this, if it's yeah. called inclusion, they need to be included throughout the textbook. So now I'm going to go back. I'm going to see what happens, how my students respond to the textbook and work on expansion so that yeah. it's all inclusive. Wonderful. Well, Diane, I'm, I'll, of course, we'll make sure that we have all the information uh, for people who may want to reach out to you via social media. So um, any parting words? Uh, now, you, you gave advice to Diane, uh, the 20-year-old Diane. What advice would you give to the listener? Oh, yes. Um, you, yeah, you can't really do it alone. Um, yeah. you're, you're not going to be able to achieve all of your goals in a box. So uh, definitely get as many people involved. If you have to scream, <laughs> shout yeah. it out. You may need to um, establish a few partnerships uh, along the way and also be open to pivoting. Sometimes you need to switch and change as necessary and listen yeah, just listen to what people are saying and, and it means everyone. So whether you're a designer or product developer or you just want to learn a new skill. Wonderful. Well, Diane, I thank you so much for joining me today and talking with me about your journey. I'm looking forward to hearing great things about you and uh, you'll have to look me up again when you get to the East Coast again. So yes. I'm going to be pulling for you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, Diane Marte. Please check her information out on the website and uh, all the best to you. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Intentionally Overheard. Please be sure to subscribe, listen and share with your friends. Until we meet again, put your mind, heart, soul and your best foot forward and dream it, believe it, do it, be it. Dibby Dibby, everyone. Our engineer is Eno Accentiev, and our theme music is by William Clayson. <laughs>